0: This. Just is this, equality, equality, remedy, protection, fairness, fair
1: fairness, right, Work. peace, who is
2: men's
0: Asylum. Identity. family, Health. Confidence. Expression. Expression. Expression.
3: Expression. Participation. participation. Democracy. Welfare. Work. Work. Leisure.
1: Leisure. leisure. Health. Education. Culture. Culture.
3: Human rights. Weapons. Charter Dana. Solidarity. A guy
1: Lots of
0: Good afternoon to all of our listeners on CJTR Community Radio at 91.3 FM and over the internet at cjtr.ca. We can also be heard on SaskTel Max at Channel 806 and Access Communications Digital Service at Channel 700. Wherever you are, welcome to Human Rights Radio, hosted weekly by Amnesty International volunteers. Our theme song is titled, 30 Words, The Universal Declaration of Human Rights, written and performed by R.E.M. and a collection of musicians from around the world. I'm Jim Hutchins, and with me is my guest host, Daleen Sliz, and our special guests, Gatachu Waldesis, who is Settlement Family and Community Services Manager, and Pawasha Humayun, a Settlement Team Leader from the Regina Open Door Society. Welcome, everyone. Good
3: afternoon. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you.
0: The United Nations World Refugee
2: Day is observed on June 20th each year. This event honors the courage, strength, and determination of women, men, and children who are forced to flee their homeland under threat of persecution, conflict, and violence. And this is what we'll be talking about today. So, welcome to both of you. could you please tell us about yourselves, how you came to Canada, and um, what your roles are at the Regina Open Door Society?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Who, whoever wants to go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the settlement manager and community services manager with the Regina Open Door Society. And um, um, I, I left Ethiopia, I was forced fleeing to flee Ethiopia in 1981, uh, due to the fact that we had a military government a repressive regime that was uh, prosecuting students and and uh, progressive workers and others who really did not agree with its uh, r- rule. So as uh, a result, I had to flee to a neighboring country, to Sudan, and it took me four to five years to come to Canada uh, as a res- uh, with a resettlement program, and uh, I've been here in Canada since 1985. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is my 31 year uh, in Canada. Wow.
4: All right. <clears throat> so I came to, um, I actually flee um, Afghanistan in 1992. Um, once the extremists took over um, the socialist government and, uh, and there was no room for um, women to basically um, exercise their basic rights, um, mm-hmm. such as education, um, just doing their day-to-day um, things, um, and people were just, you know, tortured and um, killed for no reason. So that was a time when uh, me and my family left Afghanistan. Uh, we moved to India. Uh, we were in India for uh, so many years, um, seven, six years. And then um, after that, um, I came to Canada basically as refugee. And since then, I've been living in Canada in 1998. I came to Canada and <laughs> I've been living here now.
2: mm mm-hmm. How did you flee Afghanistan?
4: Um, Honestly, there was this... uh, um, So all of a sudden, like, uh, uh, there was a military coup type of thing. Uh, The government was overthrown, and then, um, you know, soldiers... uh, came in and took over cities, uh, so we were just in our houses. And then the fight between the groups, because uh, there were so many groups that all of a sudden came over and, and overturned the uh, central government, so it was a fight between groups and um, rockets and bombs, shells everywhere. As a result, actually, I got injured too. Um, so once I was recovered after the injury, our family just decided to um, leave, just to leave um, you know with anything we had um i just cannot forget that moment it was like around four evening when um uh, my father walked in and said like you know whether there's a ceasefire for, for an hour between the groups this is the time to just leave right now so literally with just a pair of clothes on our back whatever cash gold anything uh, valuable handy just took that and literally like uh, I remember just shutting off the stove because supper was half cooked. Like literally just um, turning off the stove and out the door. We just found one vehicle that could take us only to the border, um, uh, to Pakistan at that time, because even though we had our passport and visa to go to India, but the airport was shut down, so we couldn't leave. Um, But we had to leave the the city because it was just very dangerous. So that's how we left.
2: How old were you at the time? Were you Um, quite young?
4: I was 19, yes. Very young.
2: And do you know what happened to any of your friends or
4: Um, other
2: family members? Well,
4: my immediate family members, at at that age, Um, I was married too, so my husband and I um, were fleeing basically with my family together, uh, mom and dad and brother and sister. So um, uh, some of the friends uh, I t- I'll tell you a story of that day that I got injured with a um, rocket. It was that uncertain in there. When uh, when a, a rocket hit the ground, obviously like a you know a major like dust and and, and a very loud uh, noise. And um, after when the dust settled and everybody's like, okay, is everyone okay here? So all of a sudden, I'm just seeing blood on you know on my clothes and stuff like that. So when I realized that, okay, I'm injured. Um, And then there was a a security guard um, by the building. He got injured um, really badly, literally, like his stomach was cut open. Um, So uh, we were rushed to the hospital, and he survived, luckily. So we were rushed to the hospital. There was this young fella that was, um, we also knew him. Um, He just vanished. Everybody was looking for him. Finally, his family was just looking for him, like, okay, he was in here, in this area. He vanished. So, how they found out that, that probably he was shattered into pieces, when they found pieces of his clothes hanging on the trees. Oh, that's how gosh. they came to the conclusion that he literally <sighs> vanished.
2: Right. Like that. Just sort of so, evaporated into...
4: That's it. So, that's how mm-hmm. uncertain things were. Like, you never know who was, you know, surviving, who's here, who's not. Everybody was kind of like a, that moment. You need to just survive. You need to get out. You need to do what you can do.
3: And oh, my God. And how about you get a choose? How, how did you? Um, in, my, in my situation, uh, we, we, my, my, my family, because they were killed at that time, any student was protesting. The government actions was. was detained and uh, executed and uh, what they were doing at the time one of the things they were doing was they would throw the body of the student uh, in front of their house to show others uh, as a deterrent and if parents were to recover the body of their children they have to pay money you know for the bullet that the government spent to kill the person Uh, and um, and also uh, people were not allowed to attend funerals for for, for anyone who was killed. So the, in a culture that people attended funerals, for even the people they didn't know, it, people were prevented from attending funerals. So the family members were the ones who were burying the per, the, their child without the support of their community. So um, when I left Ethiopia, we had to take a 21, year, 21 days journey to Sudan and under very dangerous uh, situations. And... After I got to Sudan, a family member who who was my aunt who who lived in Italy helped me got to Italy. And it took me, in Italy I stayed for four years, and then at which time I was granted uh, refugee status to come to Canada. Mm -hmm. So then that's when I I came to Canada. And how old were you when you fled? When I was was 16, 17 years old at the time. But when uh, when I came here, uh, I think I I was older in my 20s.
0: I'm, what I'm curious about here: um, How many people do you estimate were in your similar situation, uh, comparing that time with today? And, I mean, people who were killed, people who were fleeing their countries. Oh my God! Mm.
3: People were fleeing their countries in in, in in thousands and thousands. Even to this day, people are people are fleeing not only Ethiopia but Eritrea as well and uh, and other locations, but. I was lucky because I was able to get resettlement, uh, and I was able to do it in a little bit safer way. But there are people who use um, uh, ships to boats uh, to, mm-hmm. to escape, and th- just a few days ago, there were about seven hundred people vanished in right. India. Uh, yeah. So it's a very, it's a continu- after thirty something years. It's a continued situation. It yeah. doesn't stop.
0: I, I guess my my point is that thirty years ago the situation was bad.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. It still continues. Uh, and
0: not only does it continue, but it's uh, immeasurably worse. Yes. Worse, actually, yeah. Yeah. Worse.
2: I was reading, um, according to the UNHCR, the number of refugees and asylum seekers exceeds 50 million mm-hmm. uh, for the first time in post-World War II era. Oh, yes. The increase was driven mainly by the war in Syria and mm-hmm. in Africa, most notably in Central Africa, uh, in Central African Republic and South Sudan. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's absolutely, yes. um, the yes. cost of war is immense and mm-hmm. the mass suffering and mm-hmm. um, in, in the foreign budgets and, you know, it's just uh, even, outrageous.
4: Even with, uh, like, for example, um, speaking of Afghanistan, Afghanistan, uh, has been a producer of refugees um, basically um, you know in early um, 80s while Soviet Union was in Afghanistan um, so that continued for some time and then in the 90s when the extremists took over um, they have produced massive refugee, um, refugees fleeing the country and then um, I mean even to this day like really nothing really settled in the country um, I believe that um, around 2.5 million Afghans are still out and about mm-hmm.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
4: seeking asylum.
2: I was going to ask you if you feel that things have improved in Afghanistan since you fled, <laughs> but I, I don't think that they have.
4: No, uh, like superficially, mm. uh, perhaps it seems like it's a little bit better, um, at least in the sense that, okay, women could actually go to school now, of course, only in in, in central and big cities villages uh, most of the, but the the far provinces are still under the rule of Taliban and um, so same rules apply, no women are getting out of the house same um, uh, basic human right violation um, uh, but only you know superficially things seem to be better, but uh, really it 's not
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so this brings us to. World Refugee Day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, tell us about the history and and how the day came to be and and why it's such an important day for us to to recognize and to celebrate.
3: Uh, World Refugee Day uh, was uh, always is celebrated in, on June 20th. It's a day declared by United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. The reason why we celebrate World Refugee Day is we want uh, to bring awareness about refugees, the refugee situations in the world that uh, we are doing today. O- also, we wanted to, uh, to show the public about refugees. Refugees are, are ordinary people like any, any of us. They have dreams, they have lives, but their lives is interrupted due to a conflict, and they, f- they flee these conflicts um, to save their lives like any, any of us would. But at the same time, also, um, also they have skills they, that they bring. There are lots of misconceptions that's being said about refugees that's, that's damaging to the refugees' uh, um, reputation. And um, so the other thing is we need to bring awareness to the fact that as human beings we need to continue to be in solidarity with refugees and we need to continue to support refugees. And also many countries are closing their doors to refugees. And it's important to keep our doors open as Canada did recently with mm-hmm. the Syrian refugees, and taking refugees, because at the end of the day, they're not taking from the, that society, and eventually when they, are there, they start building their lives, they will make a significant contribution, as we have done, uh, to Canada. And, and uh, mm-hmm. there are others, we can count a lot of people that have done that. And so this is the, the kind of awareness that we, uh, we need to create around the world. That's why World Refugees Day is celebrated.
0: I think the, the irony here is that in the so-called developed countries, mm-hmm. generally speaking, birth rates are falling, mm-hmm. and population is basically not being replaced. So we need immigra- immigration, we need the refugees, and uh, so it's it's not really helping. As I see it for for people to be against this, mm-hmm. uh, and you know I, I think basically what needs to happen is that people have to understand and and uh, and know the people they have to become acquainted with who's actually coming oh,
1: totally. you know
0: and they're they're being fed well you know the, there's some politicians, and i, I won 't bother naming them there's one in particular in the the country to the south of us here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You, I think you don't need to name him. I don't think Trump. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, whoops.
0: But they're, they're they're making hay. You know, they're yeah. they're, they're uh, inciting they're inciting fear and hatred for their own political gain and yeah.
2: violence. Yes. so much
0: violence. Yeah. so, much violence. Yeah. so yes. this is this is what we're up against. And and some of that, you, you find some of that uh, you know in our own country, unfortunately. So uh, that's why awareness and education is so important so that people know what the facts are what the truth is and and what the need is you
4: know? absolutely it's uh, sometimes it's just simply you know um uh not um having enough information um causes these kind of um stereotype
0: thinking mm-hmm. of
4: who refugees are exactly so if we take some time educate people and if they have questions ask questions and let people that have some information explain to them that how it works yeah. to the benefit of the refugees and their hosting country.
0: Exactly. Yeah, then it's a, it's kind of a two-way street. Absolutely. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So, what is so significant about June twentieth? Why June twentieth? Why not July fourteenth or <laughs> uh, April third or what? What is it about? June twentieth. That is so significant.
3: I, I think I think June twentieth. The reason I, I, I think it's my view. The reason we celebrate June twentieth is that's when it was declared. To, uh, the decla- it was declared on that day, and then that's when we started to to celebrate. And then that's the declaration was made on that day, and so we started to celebrate on that day. So uh, around the world, it's not only in Canada, but around the world, mm-hmm. that's the day that that has been. It's, it's being celebrated, but some people do, of course. Some organizations celebrate like a week after, a week before, and but June 20th is uh, a or day. during the whole week. Yeah. Oh, the whole, some people yeah. mm-hmm. do. Some organizations uh, do celebration for a week. Uh, others do it for a day, and uh, some do it at a later day because it's also sometimes conflicts with Aboriginal Day, and so we don't right. also don't do that. So right, yeah. So. Now speaking of
2: celebrations, Mm -hmm. what's tell us what's happening on Regina or in Regina on Monday, June 20th, for World Refugee Day?
4: Well, June 20th, we are having um, basically World Refugee Day celebration uh, in Regina. It's at the City Plaza. uh, where we, um, you know, celebrate with all Canadians and newcomers, uh, bringing awareness. Um, um, this year, specifically, the UNI- um, UNHCR campaign is about we stand hashtag with refugees to bring awareness um, to uh, to people so then they recognize um, uh, and see that refugees are ordinary people. They have hopes and dreams just like all of us Um, they don't have to be too big they don't have to be huge they're just ordinary they're just um, basically basic uh, uh, asking for basic rights of just having shelter having health safety and all of that education education um, is acceptance absolutely acceptance so that so with with bringing this awareness that will open a door for conversation of acceptance and tolerance Mm
3: mm-hmm so people will look at it, it it's also f- for us to act to to to, t- to say thank you to the regina community i mean we just mm-hmm. like uh, we just came uh, uh, i mean refugees have been coming to regina for a long long time we have been settling them in regina but this time around the regina community w- stood up and said that we will work together and we have been able to settle in a period of four months uh, 449 Syrian refugees. These are families with children who have never been in school for three to four years. They have uh, experienced the conflict, and I don't think Region Open Door would have done that without the support of the community. So. For us, this is an opportunity also to say thank you mm-hmm. uh, to the Regina community. We will have other opportunities to say thank you, but this is one of the segments that we people need to come with the understanding that should be proud of. And then, But the work doesn't stop here. We have to continue the work because there are millions of, of other refugees around the world who need our support in one form or another.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I imagine like a, a lot of what you do is in partnership with uh, faith based organizations here in the community churches that yes. that sort of thing
3: yes churches pl- churches and faith based organizations play a major part individuals when uh, employers and uh, landlords um um city the city government mm-hmm. so when we were asking for volunteers we had above close to 400 uh, 240 volunteers so wow. wanting to volunteer uh-huh. and we uh, employers were uh, and so landlords were s- given uh-huh. us houses and our housing stock was 400 when wow. while other jurisdictions were struggling so The Regina community, I think, has a lot to be proud of. That's that's pretty amazing. Yes.
0: But I think uh, one of the important things that's going to happen as far as World Refugee Day is concerned is the people who don't know are going to be aware of what the community is doing and how valuable the the contribution is and why, dare I say, more needs
3: to be done. More needs to be done and how they could get involved as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So tell
2: us about the newcomer bursary that is going to be awarded okay. that it's, day?
4: It's um, usually for the newcomers that have been here for um, a few years. Uh, they're the, for the youth that uh, completed their uh, secondary education, at, um, high schools, and are registering for um, post-secondary or. Um, uh, education, whether it's college or university, mm-hmm. uh, so it's just to to encourage them to uh, move forward. A community puts some funding together. Some of them are totally anonymous, um, just um, you know, uh, reaching us, and then that those uh, bursaries are going to be awarded to them. Um, some kind of like they're nominated through um, by um, t- uh, you know uh, community and and folks there, and then um, there's selection made. Mm-hmm. Um, to those that have been determined to go to um, uh, post-secondary education and that's awarded to
3: them. I think uh, the, what makes it ordinary, uh, extraordinary is that the, all the funds for the, this uh, the bursary is contributed by individuals, anonymous mm-hmm. individuals who, mm-hmm. regener- who are regional residents and we are awarding eight bursaries uh, and it's two thousand dollars each. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for refugees who have been here less than ten years and mm-hmm. it's for them to be able to meet their educational needs, such mm-hmm. as covering tuition and books. So it's a way of encouraging them to take that the first step into being, into pursuing their education. And many have done a good job in pursuing their education. And it has been in existence, I think, more, more than six years. Mm-hmm.
0: One thing I find striking about refugees that I have met over the years They really seem to get it about how important education is. That's Mm -hmm. their number one priority Mm -hmm. for themselves, for their children. They realize Mm -hmm. that that is the key to Success, as far as you know, being able to make a living and support themselves and their family, they really get it. And uh, you will never find uh, a refugee who doesn't see the importance of education.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because they are denied. Some of them were denied that access, especially mm-hmm. women and, mm-hmm. and uh, families with with no money. They've been denied access to education. So when they come here. Especially for families, their first priority is putting their children through the best education possible. So if you ask them what's important to them, that mm-hmm. would be education.
0: And, and we kind of take it for granted here, you know, to a certain extent, you know. Um, once we get past uh, high school, well, then it becomes, you know, a little problematic. It's it's not that easy to go to university mm-hmm. and that sort of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And these bursaries are
2: fantastic. For, you know, it helps them along and it, oh, sure. you know puts a value on the education it gives them some opportunity there, Absolutely, for sure.
1: Absolutely.
0: How are we doing for time? Oh, we're getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> we've Good. We've got another minute or so before the break, and uh, we've got some music that we're going to play that uh, uh, Shelly picked, Shelly Hill. Yeah, yes. Shelly. And uh, so I've, I'm interested. I don't think I've heard this one before. I, I listened to it a little bit. But uh, I'm interested in hearing that. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll do the break in, and, and like, say, about a minute and a half, that okay. sort of thing.
2: So the festivities then, there'll be... What, what exactly is going to be happening? So everybody meets downtown in the... Um, we, we,
4: we will have guest speakers. guest speakers. We will have our um, executive director, uh, Darcy Dietrich, which uh, will uh, do welcoming. And then we will have guest speakers, uh, perhaps some of the refugees also, like uh, from... You know the recent refugees. We would ask um, some bursaries will ship. be awarded. Yes, bursaries are going to be rewarded, and uh, perhaps some uh,
3: music, some entertainment. entertainment, food as well. Um no, no. no, food. <laughs> <laughs> no food.
1: No food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well,
4: we're
2: kind of like trying to see that lunch hour <laughs> yes. so you know, 12 to 1 just
3: bring, your, you own food, bring
2: <laughs> your own food people <laughs> <laughs> come and celebrate <laughs> mm.
0: and of course you've ordered good weather yes Hopefully. something like what we've got right Right now. Right now. Yes. yes. Yeah, that Absolutely. Great. That would be a good thing. <laughs> It'll be nice. Yeah, it would be great. Okay. So we have reached the bottom of the okay, hour here yeah, now. Here we so, are. Uh, we're going to, uh, go to our break and like I say, we'll have some, uh, music and, uh, then we will come back and, uh, and we will talk to Getachu and, uh, to, Pawasha uh, about the, uh, Regina Open Door Society and, And uh, World Refugee Day. World Refugee Day, and uh, things of that nature. So we'll be right back.
1: Felt weak and sad before. changes along the way, and starting right now, there's no time to waste, you didn't even know me, you didn't even know me, I don't
0: The title of that is You Didn't Even Know Me, and that was picked by Shelley Hill. Um, too bad Shelley's not here. She could tell us why she <laughs> picked it, but uh, it was a really good song, so mm-hmm. thank you, Shelley.
3: Do either of you know why she chose that song? The this, this song a was Canadian pro- this is a Canadian artist. It, uh, it, the work was done here in Saskatchewan, in Saskatchewan. Ah. Um, and uh, most of the people that participated in the video were... Uh, Syrian refugees that w- that just arrived, wow. uh, and uh, the I think the proceeds from the sale of the s- for the songs were was I think con- got contributed to UNHCR. I think that that's why ah, okay. it, it is very important. The lots for lots of reasons, mm-hmm. and even the fact that you don't even know me, people they don't even know mm-hmm. the refugees when they come, but still, want to help and contribute, yeah. volunteer, and make a to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a
2: fantastic song, Mm -hmm. with
3: a lot of meaning, and the
2: funds are going to a great cause, Mm -hmm. I would think. So um, let's just um, talk about what we as a a Western society can learn from refugees. What what have you brought, what do you bring to us that we can learn from? Mm
3: Um it is very is very very hard r- to answer but like uh, I think um, I think we d- We bring different perspective like as as we learn from Western societies as refugees like um, a lot of things uh, culture-wise uh, mm-hmm. and um, We uh, society also learns from us, so I, I know a lot of friends who now are very much aware about our culture and
1: Mm
3: -hmm. even uh, some of them even practice it to that point so there is a the learning goes both ways Mm -hmm. so there is a lot of opportunities for learning but one of the things that many people uh, in western society that they tell us that they learn about from refugees the determination Mm -hmm. not giving up even when you fail get up and do it again and that determination from wanting to learn the language to being fit in this new society and with a lot of children and uh, with a lot of obstacles, people sometimes, volu- our volunteers come and say, how do they do it? I don't think mm-hmm. I would be able, I, I don't think I have the strength. Mm-hmm. to do I've it. heard that. Yeah, they, th- that, that's, I think, the lesson that yeah. many people say they, they learned. Mm-hmm. And we also learn a whole lot of things from uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the whole society, which is in this case Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Like uh, Some of uh, my friends have always said, like, you know, it's a good thing once we hear these stories, we don't take things for granted here then. Then they appreciate. Education, for example, mm. appreciate, like, you know, having family around. Um, to plan things ahead. Like, oh, I can plan this event, for example, six months down the road. Knowing that security is there, so all that system is in place. You can plan things in, it in advance. We're in a lot of these... Um, Refugees' cases that was not possible for them. <laughs> you never know what brings the next day to you. So, exactly. You know, uh,
3: um, just uh, to give you an example, like for example, for me, one of the things many people he take here for granted is election. Um, mm-hmm. The first time I voted was in 1988. Wow. And I never voted for a government because our governments came by power. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, after 1998, I never stopped voting after that I, I try to learn the issues I try to to do that and many people have well uh, uh, many people don't vote here I don't care if to vote but I I vote because that's somebody had to 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 fight for us to get the that right to vote so that to me for example mm-hmm. is very important so it's something Western societies need to learn about refugees is those things we take for granted right are something that people had to fight to get to get to us, so we should never take them for granted. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what, one of the the lessons that
0: I yes. absolutely agree. Think. And and here in Canada, we have an embarrassingly low voter turnout yeah, rate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you talk to the average person on the street, they say, mm-hmm. "What
2: difference does it make?"
0: They'd yeah. be hard pressed to tell you who various cabinet ministers are. Mm-hmm. They might not even know who the prime minister is. You know, it's um, embarrassing for it, it is our
3: country. But, but on the other side of the of the world mm-hmm. that there are people who die fighting for that right to mm-hmm. vote. And mm-hmm. the, and and they get tortured and killed because they wanted to to have that right. So Exercise that, that, that opportunity, right, and that opportunity yeah. in that right.
0: Yeah, yeah. so you know what if you look at the human rights scene at all, it is surprising in countries where being a journalist mm-hmm. is an extremely dangerous occupation. Absolutely. Just being a journalist mm-hmm. is is very dangerous. It can easily get you killed. Absolutely. Easily.
1: Absolutely.
0: And and uh, thankfully, that's not the situation here in Canada. But um, sometimes I wonder if, given the concentration of ownership of media outlets. It's tough to be a journalism in in, uh, in Canada, for example, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. I, uh, you know
2: you're peop- muzzled a lot, and you're um, you know it's yeah. biased. You're told what to say, and
0: um, but there are people who make a point of making their yes. their views known and, and make a point of making the actual facts known, and okay. sometimes they're not terribly popular, but mm-hmm. um, but at least they're telling the getting the truth out. Right, and they usually don't have to worry about uh, too much in the way of of repercussions. Yeah. But uh, I I remember in the last election, uh, you're probably aware of a columnist by the name of Andrew Coyne, Mm -hmm. and he resigned from the editorial board of uh, Post Media because the owner of that paper insisted on... Uh, writing editorials of support for the conservatives. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Coyne did not agree, so, you know, he was able to, and he, he's he's still writing, he's still in, you know, he still has a job, mm-hmm. so this is a very good thing.
3: mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: mm-hmm. So, let's talk about
2: the recent announcement from the UNHCR that there will be a team of refugees, this is kind of fun to talk about, competing at the 2016 Olympic Summer Games in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil.
4: I think that's just an excellent opportunity for the world to actually uh, become aware of refugees and who refugees are. Uh, as we were discussing earlier like um, you know uh, in Olympics uh, usually athletes have to be born in that country to represent the country but um, many many very talented um, athletes uh, have been displaced uh, moving around uh, due to um, various situations in their homelands um, are basically denied the opportunity to go and participate and show the skills that they have Um, and this is just an absolute um, extraordinary opportunity um, for the world to witness uh, mm-hmm. such a great event. I'm so happy that it's happening.
2: It is exciting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like really they've great. taken a person from a from different each, country yeah. and, and created a team, team of, of these refugees. people wow. to compete. Absolutely. It's
3: just great. <laughs> it sends a great message because it's like uh, refugees have skills and abilities. And they can make a difference and contribute. So it will be great to see that and at the world stage where everybody is watching. Uh, when uh, not not only for them to compete and try hard and then sometimes even winning those uh, those uh, sporting uh, events. So really we are looking forward to that. Can you imagine if some gold medals came out of that?
2: (laughs) I'm really looking forward to that. Any medals. Any medals. I'm (laughs) getting goosebumps. Just when they're coming and
4: and, and, and they're announcing (laughs) that this team is competing, I think to me it's exciting. (laughs)
2: Look at us. We all have these big (laughs) smiles. (laughs) It's fantastic.
0: I'm just wondering uh, what do you think the future might be as far as Europe is concerned? They're kind of in the front line because... Mm -hmm. They're they're sort of the the first destination. They're the closest to the countries that are in difficulty, mm-hmm. and uh, attitudes have changed. I, I think, uh, and Angela Merkel is is getting in trouble now in in Germany because uh, there's there's a lot of pushback to her welcoming policies. Yes. Um, where do you see that going?
3: It's very, it's very Europe wise. It's very it's very difficult because. Um, many European countries, like Angela Merkel, as you mentioned, try to welcome mm. the refugees in and, and large numbers, but she's facing opposition, and the, as governments are facing opposition in, in Europe, uh, the fear is that they will close the door, uh, and as they close the door, uh, uh, many refugees have to continue to make that dangerous journey to get there, and, and a lot of people are losing lives. So I think the, what, the, the solution for me, in my opinion, would be uh, the other parts of the world, like the North America or uh, Asia, Europe, and uh, you need to share the burden mm-hmm. to be able to resettle refugees, because um, rather than looking at those refugees as economical and things like that, they are uh, trying to look at and then try to resettle refugees and also finding, trying to find a more permanent solution for those people that to addressing those issues that that let people flee in the first place mm-hmm. but as as you said uh, the more hardened stance that uh, european countries take uh, n- and as the newcomers st- uh, as the refugees flee using the den- dangerous journey i think we are we are in a very disastrous situation people are dying a lot of people are dying uh, in, in the seas and that's that's very sad
0: yeah I, i'm thinking that it a more coordinated approach yes. to the problem absolutely. should be taken absolutely. you know <coughs> with the lead and mm-hmm. probably of the united nations mm-hmm. if absolutely but uh, that doesn't uh, doesn't seem to be happening at the moment and uh, it's it's a difficult problem for sure yeah. but
4: I, I, absolutely like i mean more coordinated approach would be as Kitacho mentioned like not only to okay, this many people are fleeing, let's mm-hmm. t- in what way we can just make that that um, journey uh, safer mm-hmm. and um, um, for everyone, uh, for the hosting country and the refugees, um, plus the conflict that is driving these refugees in the first place, mm-hmm. also to be looked at and see, like uh, finding more permanent solution, like, yeah. you know, I'm going back again with the Afghanistan situation, but I'm sure there's many, many countries in the same situation that... Right. Uh, even uh, people that are leaving the country right now are not declared refugee by the UNHCR as uh, now technically the the the, the country is electing the government right. uh, but i mean we all mm. know what type of <laughs> what's going on with that type yeah. of governments but yeah absolutely so there is both sides to it so conflicting uh, the the re- stopping the conflict in the countries mm-hmm and then a um, more coordinated approach to settle the refugees safer.
0: And I suppose part of the issue is, too, is, is uh, differentiating between an economic refugee, uh, an economic immigrant, mm-hmm. uh, or, or someone who is a refugee who is fleeing, uh, uh, you know, a dangerous situation. And uh, so some adjudication needs to take place there, and it needs to be fair. Upset, upset and so, so th- I think that's, that's a huge part of the problem right there so,
4: Absolutely. a lot of people are kind of like mixing both up mm-hmm. um, when it comes to economic immigrants um, mm. that are having the choice they make the choice to resettle in um, mm. elsewhere mm-hmm. and live their lives um, and mixing them with those that are uh, forced to leave their countries so we need to really understand that there's two different categories mm-hmm. uh refugees are forced to leave the country they, right. th- their government failed to protect them uh, that's why they're leaving and uh, economic immigrants are choosing to resettle elsewhere and live their lives so um, you know and then again refugees at the same time it's not they're coming with variety of skills as well no. so you know yes that 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 move was forced upon them however they are coming with set of skills as
0: well Right to contribute later. So there, there can be an advantage to having the refugees come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, know? absolutely. But that can't be the main reason why we're accepting <coughs> them. You no. know, because if if they are in dire circumstances, if they if they uh, have no guarantee of their personal safety or their family's personal mm-hmm. safety, then. Uh, we need to help them. That's uh, the basic truth. And the,
4: and the, um, honestly, um, most of the families are are coming with larger families, young mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. This is the rich, rich resources for the hosting country. These kids growing up here, they're gonna be professionals in the country. Mm-hmm. So that's for me. Like I just see it as a very rich resource for the hosting country.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't think people realize. It's a different mindset, you know. Like, mm-hmm. As I uh, alluded to before, um, people who come here as refugees, have they have that understanding of how important it is to get a, a proper education, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and they won't rest until they have it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And uh, for that reason, they tend to be very, very productive citizens Absolutely. and their Absolutely. families are as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: I just want to read you
2: a quote um, from Secretary-General Ban Ki-moon, uh, which kind of you know, brings this all together. Refugees are people like anyone else, like you and me. They, lead, they led ordinary lives before becoming displaced, and their biggest dream is to be able to live normally again. On this World Refugee Day, let us recall our common humanity Celebrate tolerance and diversity, and open our hearts to refugees everywhere. And and that is the crux of it. It really is. Open the borders, let people in, let's open our hearts to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And it's something that has to be shared. I mean, it's, it's not fair for you know the southern mediterranean companies uh countries the southern mediterranean mediterranean countries have to bear the brunt
1: mm-hmm.
0: of mm-hmm. of this and uh you know i i guess it's it's partly about organization it's partly about consultation mm-hmm. all these things um I, I think there's a tendency of of uh, governments and agencies to want to uh Decree or, or, basically, make the decision for these people when there has to be, I think, a lot of consultation. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Know. Um, and of course, they there are there are countries like Germany, like Great Britain, that um, I think they are perceived as having more economic uh, opportunity. So there's a lot of pressure on them because th- a lot of refugees. But again, we're talking about economics, aren't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So, uh, again, we're we're in a situation where we've got to look after the refugees, but the people who are trying to improve their economic lot, really, they've got to be treated differently. And yeah. it's not easy.
2: No, it's not. <laughs> so how does the Regina Open Door Society help refugees?
4: Uh, well, uh, they're coming... Um Under the RAP program, Resettlement Assistance Program. Um, So we um, have a uh, around 200 people, 215 people in a year to mm-hmm. settle in Regina. Uh, so we um, help them with housing, we help them with the, all the basic resettlement stuff, um, such as, like, you know, um, housing, uh, registration for school, uh, language classes, um, applying for their um, documents, legal documents, um, health cards and number, mm-hmm. uh, bank account, and all that. And then along with that goes um, after those basics are taken care of then we um help them um you know with the life skills we help them to um, um refer them for employment center because a lot of them are so eager to find jobs the first thing i um i can just uh, tell you this um this um one couple that were both actually um nurses they were Syrian refugees when we picked them up at the airport uh, upon the arrival the first conversation they had in the vehicle with us was like where can i find a job <laughs> so we said like okay you know first thing first <laughs> some of these basic <laughs> things needs to take place and then we immediately referred them to our um, uh, regina open door society has an employment uh, department where we referred them over there and then they helped them you know build mm-hmm. resumes and can work like. with employers and mm-hmm. um and basically get their job
3: yeah i i just want to mention that um Even though some of the refugees (coughs) come as government assisted refugees, Mm -hmm. um, there are others who come uh, through sponsorship. They are sponsored by faith based groups and individuals. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we really need to take credit for these groups to be able to sponsor families. They have done a great work. But we also support, we also help those families, even though we don't provide them with temporary accommodation. Mm -hmm. Uh, any other services that they need we will w- we will work with the sponsors to provide those services for for those uh, refugees as well so there are right. private sponsor refugees that mm-hmm. are also coming right. so how can people get involved with supporting refugees uh, the first opportunity is um, to become a mentor Pe- people come volunteer to become a mentor uh, mentors uh, do a lot of work uh, with the refugees it's a commitment of one or two, two days they they inter- one one to two one to two hours A week, like it's as as an opportunity for to introduce the newcomers to the community, Mm -hmm. show them how to shop, uh, help them to practice their English, and uh, and show them the basics. Uh, The other way, uh, people can also so they they can also uh, volunteer to become a tutor uh, or or a volunteer within our youth program. Um, Also for people who really want to bring refugees. Connecting with the sponsorship communities through their uh, face-based groups, and even a group of five people can work together to sponsor refugees if they choose. So there is a lot of ways for the for uh, uh, for the public to be involved uh, uh, to support refugees. And who can they contact uh, to if they feel they would like to get involved? Uh, they can connect with the uh, Regina o- Open Door Society Welcoming Community for Newcomer Program. Uh, our phone number is 306-352-3500. Uh, also, uh, our website, www.rods.sk.ca.
0: Excellent. we got about four minutes left, something like that. Um, and one thing I think I'd just like to, r- to reiterate um, open Door Society has been around for a long time.
3: Yes, since 1976.
0: Yeah. And, you know, even without considering the huge onslaught of uh, Syrian refugees and, uh, and uh, refugees from uh, uh, Africa, we've got a lot of refugees. Uh, we've got refugee camps where uh, people were born and raised in the yes. refugee camp. Yes. They've, they don't know anything else, and they're unable to do anything else. They mm-hmm. can't travel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they've got limited educational uh, uh, opportunities, and uh, they're hoping to come to a place like Canada mm-hmm. to uh, to start a life. And this is not new. This has been going on for years mm-hmm. and years and years.
3: Yeah. Some of the camps have been opened since 1980. <laughs> there are prot- protracted refugee Situations and as you said, people being born in camps and yeah. grown up in camps, the only place they have known is the camp. Yeah. Uh, they don't even speak their mother yeah. tongue uh, yeah. because that they lived in a different country. So, that those are there are lots of protracted refugee situations. The other part when we talked about. Europe is what we have uh, mentioned is also refugees settle. Most refugees settle <laughs> in the neighboring country, which are mm-hmm. the countries are, themselves are very poor and unable to support them, but they, they, the countries get little support to support the refugees. So right. th- we need to, like, w- work needs to be done also in the camps to mm-hmm. support those refugees uh, by, edu- by providing education, mm-hmm. which is, UNHCR is doing that, but with very limited funding.
0: Right. now. Uh, if people wanted to uh, support you financially, is there a way they can do that?
3: Yeah, people definitely. I mean, we, as they have done that previously, people can contribute, um, can make a donation to the Regina Open Door Society. Is uh, um, again, information can be found on our website on how 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 could they they could do that. They could even designate the funds on how how it, they would like it to be used, mm-hmm. and we we honor the donors' requests in those occasions.
0: And I'm presuming you you give tax receipts.
3: We provide mm-hmm. tax receipts, absolutely, <laughs> right. and uh, and uh, and and of course, as I said again, like we we respect the donors' wishes as to how the money will be used. If donors want to to, to tell us that.
0: And if they wanted to, if they wanted to become uh, involved in the mentoring that that sort of thing. Uh, Um, How difficult is that Uh, you said it was a couple of hours a week basically a
3: couple of hours a a week But some mentors do it more as because they are excited. It's just once the 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 people uh, um, the individuals um, Approaches us that they would like to do that they complete an application form and we do the uh, Reference checks and of course uh, and then we provide training and uh, our we have staff, and then we match the we match them with the newcomers and we also do regular follow ups to ensure our volunteers are um, are, are are okay and, and they, they they need support so we support mm-hmm. the volunteers ongoing mm-hmm. support
0: is provided so the, you, you do provide training you can you, you you think to yourself well i have no idea how to do this yeah you can show them how Absol- to do it
3: absolutely oh, okay. and not only that the staff but also match uh, working with other volunteers as well mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'd like to thank the two of you very much for being here. We've reached the end of our hour. And, uh, you know, this is something we could talk about for a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there there are great needs and there's great opportunities as well. So it's been very nice to talk about this with you. Thank you very thank, much. And thank have, you. Uh, so much.
2: Thank for you for the invite. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, it was really a pleasure to have it. you here. Thank
0: you. As we close this week's Human Rights Radio on CJTR Community Radio, we hope you've enjoyed listening to and have learned something new about human rights for all people. If you have any questions about today's show or other human rights questions, email us at humanrightsradio at cjtr.ca. Past shows can be accessed by visiting humanrightsradio.ca. Podbean.com. Pioneering human rights campaigner Peter Benenson often said it's better to light a candle of hope than to curse the darkness.